Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Welcome, everyone. We are up for another podcast today. Very special guest into poker, but known for rapping, songwriting. We got Mr. Puya. How's it going, bro? What's up, everybody? I'm good. Hanging out. Enjoying my day. Nice. You're a little under the weather today, but you're you still you came through, man. That's that's half of it showing up, right? It's uh got it. You got to show up, and and I appreciate you not rescheduling. And hopefully, post COVID, we could do a live version. I told you I got a studio built. Uh, when I get back to Miami, maybe we can do a live one. Oh, day. Yeah. So oh, definitely. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't know if it's cold or a flu or possibly COVID, but I'm not taking any chances. I'm just gonna stay home which I already do anyways. But um, I was watching that Michael Jordan documentary and that guy was like making 60 points with a flu. So I'm like, Come on, I, I can sit down in a chair and talk to my friend real quick. It, it's not, it's, it's easy. It's easy. I, I love it. Well, here, tell us a little about so my, my podcast, generally poker centric. We've obviously, we met playing poker at the hard rock on the opening. That was, that was fun. Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself because a lot of people are more poker here. So yeah, you're obviously rapper, songwriter. Yeah. Give us a little background on yourself. So, you know, long story short, because it is a really long story. Uh, you know, I dropped out of high school. I uh, wasn't really doing, you know, I wasn't really like a school oriented person. Uh, it just wasn't for me. So I decided to pursue other things. You know, I started off, just got a regular job. I was a busboy and, you know, I gave up on that after a year because I knew that wasn't going to fulfill my life and you know i wasn't gonna have any financial gain from that and then i just bought a microphone i you know i i I remember i went to best buy i was like what's the cheapest microphone i can get they're like oh we got this nice microphone 50 bucks and i was like i bought it and at the time this was like 2011 i had a dell computer and um i had illegally downloaded some like program like i pirated some program some really like crappy program and uh just kind of figured it out. I started hanging out with some other people, meeting some rappers and, uh, uh, meeting some affiliates that I'm still affiliated with today. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, kind of figured it out. I posted on SoundCloud. I, you know, I had five followers and I had a thousand then I had a hundred thousand. And now fast forward to today on Spotify, I have, um, 3.2 million, uh, monthly listeners. So I'm, I'm super grateful. Uh, what what is so with you know i I see with twitch all you know nowadays there's so many outlets platforms people who are motivated hungry have a passion for their craft can kind of just get going and and dive in did you know like were you gifted lyrically musically what what was what is uh what happened for you to just turn on and be be instantly you know i see the fans you got a ton of people here i know you have an amazing fan base you tell me how much you love being on tour how how great your fans are i see you on instagram talking about them how did that happen like did you know this was like your calling I, i had no idea i mean like you you i mean things happen in life and your life takes a course that sometimes like you can't even fathom i mean i never really thought um, I mean, I never thought I'd be the position, the be in the position I'm in today. I, I really started making music because, it, you know, as a hobby, I left school because, you know, I had a lot of issues with anxiety and I wasn't doing well in school. And, you know, I just decided to leave and I just, you know, I couldn't deal with the pressure at, at, at a young age. Um, you know, I wasn't as social as I am, you know, today because, you know, I've really practiced that and practiced being social and, you know, practice being more outgoing. But at the time I wasn't. So I was very, you know, introverted. 
uh, person. So, you know, when I left school, I, I mean, and, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, a bum. Like I wanted to do something. So my, my father told me, look, you, you can drop out of school. But if you drop out of school, the day you drop out of school, you got to go look for a job. So, you know, I got the job. Um, but no one no one obviously wants to be a busboy or a waiter forever. So, you know, when, when I quit that, I, I figured, well, what can I do? What do I like? Oh, I like skateboarding. Yeah, I'm not good enough to be pro, though. And that's going to be a lot of hard work. And that window's kind of closed. So, oh, I like this. I like that. Oh, I like music. I love rap music. Let me let me try this. And, you know, it just it just started that way. It just started very nonchalant. It wasn't like I had a dream when I was, you know, 10 years old. And I was like, I'm going to be a rapper. I mean, it kind of just... You know, it kind of just happened and I fell in love. I mean, I absolutely fell in love with rap music. I had no idea that I was talented at rap music. Um, and the way I really learned was like, for example, my my, my favorite artist, uh, my favorite group at the time was uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I mean, I still love them, but I, I drifted more towards Outkast. Those are that's my favorite duo of all time. And Big Boy and Andre 3000 are my favorite rappers. But at the time, I was really, really huge fan of Bone Thugs. That's why, like, I have an alias called Baby Bone because I always, I always try to like emulate their style and their and their their flows. So you know, when I first started, I, I would go on Google and read their lyrics as they're rapping, and that's how I learned to rap. Um, I mean, at the time, I didn't really know that I was learning how to rap. I, I figured anybody can do this. I, I, all I'm doing is reading lyrics, and I was able to perfect their fast flows and their creative flows. And um, that's I just emulated w- what they did. And when I started making music, at, at first, I was you know I was really sounding like them. You know, I was I was getting some backlash, like, "Hey, man, you're just copying these guys." Um, so you know, I, I kind of dug into myself more, found my own sound. And, um, you know, fast forward to today, 2020, I feel like I really have my own sound and I'm just happy where I'm at. I know. Um, yeah. How many how many albums do you have? Now? I know Outlaws just just dropped this week. or Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Outlaws is a track I did with my friend Tara Reed. Uh, it's super cool. It's a really good track. If, you, if my fans haven't heard it, I'm sure they have. But it's a really good track. But I have um, when it comes to albums, I have three albums. Oh uh, yeah, three albums. When it comes to projects, I mean, I have maybe I have like a two hundred song discography. I mean, on Spotify alone, I have an eighty six song discography, and then I have a bunch of songs on um on SoundCloud that you know I can't release on Spotify because you know samples and blah blah blah. Yeah. But so I have a really big discography. But I have three albums. I, I dropped my first album. It was called Underground Underdog in two thousand sixteen, and it was actually like obviously I didn't plan this, but I dropped that album. The same day Drake dropped his album and, you know, Drake was number one, of course, because he's Drake and I was number two. So it was really cool. Uh, You know, I I hit, you know, I hit the charts on that one. I was number two behind Drake. And I mean, I remember feeling just really accomplished. You know, I was trending on Twitter that day and I just, you know, it felt really good because, man, to be right behind Drake. I mean, that's when I really felt like, okay, when, when I released my first album, I felt like, okay, this is my life. This is my career. I can do this forever my fans are going to stick with me. And that was 2016. And then I dropped an album in 2018 called five, five, um, which is related to my height. Cause I feel like, yeah, I'm a little guy, but I have such a big heart. And I, you know, when I step on that stage, I'm like, you know, I'm a giant. So that's why I named it five, five. I love it. I play your songs. I've played them on, uh, my, yep. now there's DMCA. There's these things of get, you can't play, you know, I don't know how it works if you can get permission or what the deal is, but it, it seems to be a big, big thing. Yeah. That's a big thing. Well, it depends on the companies. I mean, you know, um, like, you know, the labels and the, and the distribution, uh, companies and websites, they don't want, they don't want, uh, you know, 
these other websites playing their music unless they're getting compensated and maybe like somebody like Twitch is like, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're not going to compensate a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, ten thousand songs a day. Like that's, that's stupid. We're, if they get permission, they can probably do it, but we're not going to, other than that, we don't care about the music. Like I'm, that's my assumption. I don't know, but I figured, uh, you know, my guess is that it's not a good, uh, business move on these companies to be able to play all these songs. Cause then they're going to have to compensate for, for streaming. So I, that's my guess, but I could be wrong. There, yeah, no, it's interesting. And how do you feel though, as a, as someone where it's your content, if it's on Spotify, someone's on Twitch, for example, do you like when they play your music? Or yeah, you of course. I mean, like, I don't care if I'm getting paid for it or not. Usually, usually we, we do though. But you know, if Twitch, like, I, I mean, Twitch needs to like just sit down and pay everybody. I mean, whatever, but if they don't want to do it, I can't really, but you know, I don't mind. I mean, it's, it's, it's promotion. I mean, like if somebody is, is on Twitch, I mean, if you're on Twitch and you have your fans watching you, play poker and you got my music in the background and one person is like hey what song is that i mean that's a new fan that's 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 that could be that could be my biggest fan like that could be you know that there's so much potential that could be you know that That, that's what i would assume but i guess it just it depends and i'm trying to understand the the yeah, how that all works but I, that's what i would think i mean that's why when i play it obviously i'm doing it because I, I like you yeah. i like music and i'm you know, i want to showcase it and, and i like you know so but if it's like i'm wondering from an artist perspective if so if where it comes from and i guess that i mean most artists really don't care i mean like we 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 make our money through other avenues like you know i it, it, it wouldn't bug most artists like i mean like you got to be like a really fucking like green <laughs> person or like just like a such a like I don't know. It's just, it's not that big of a deal. Honestly, it's not a huge deal. If like somebody's streaming my song on Twitch. I I, I mean, I prefer it. It's cool. It's like awesome. Like, yeah, makes sense. What's What's with the bongos behind you there? Is that one? Is that an instrument? you So so these are, these are congas. I'm not, I'm not too good at them, but I just, I just bang them for fun. And I recorded some congas on a new track that I'm going to release. I actually really like this instrument because, you know, I'm not really good at instruments. You know, I've tried the drums, I've tried the guitar and, you know, I kind of kind of set those aside and kept focusing on rap. But when I bought the congas, it just felt kind of natural. I mean, like my friend Rocky, who produces with me, um, he's just like, I'm like, but I don't know how to play. He's like, just, just bang them. Just started banging them and it sounded good. And I was, yeah, I had a really fun time. So yeah, I keep them there and they're really pretty. They're purple. They, they, it look good in the room. They inspired nice, yeah. me. Right. It's a yeah. good background for uh, for a podcast. So very yeah, cool. my studio. Yeah, this is where I record. I have my mic there. I have all the soundproof. I got a sunlight here. It's you know when I record, I like to be. I got some plants there and some art. I like to be in a good vibe. Like I can't be in like a crusty, uh, you know, place. Oh look, that's where we met. That's, that's where we met. This was a this was at the grand opening of the Sunwell Hard Rock. Uh, tell us before I want to cover more about music, but with poker, give me a little bit about how did you get into poker? How much poker you play, and and uh, what what do you love about poker? Okay, so I got into poker through my lifelong friend that I met I met in a, at a public bus stop in high school. Mikey the Magician, and my fans know of him. He's a he's a producer. He's an artist. He's a he's in everything. Um, He's a great guy. And, you know, when I was about 18, he showed me the game of poker and I absolutely fell in love. And at the time in Florida, I, you know, I, I lived right by this casino called the Mikasuki and you only have to be 18 to play. So I would play there all the time. I played really, really small, you know, hundred dollar buy-in or less $60 minimum buy-in one, one, two poker. And, um, 
I just fell in love. I mean, I haven't stopped playing since. I, I, I just love the game. It's, I love what it, how it stimulates me in my, in my mind. I love how time consuming it is. Um, that's like a big thing for me. I mean, there's, I haven't to this day, there hasn't been anything that I can do for eight to 10 hours and not even blink and not even, uh, you know, get bored. Like I can't, I can't sit down and write a song for eight to 10 hours. I mean, it's really difficult, but I can play poker because it's just constant stimulation, stimulation. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I, I just love it. it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. That's yeah, no, it's a great game. And it it's cool too. Cause you can business people, athletes, uh, what, you know, musicians, anyone you can come in and play with anybody and, and just yeah, exactly. chill and relate and, and talk. It's just sort of a neutralized game where everyone, everyone uh, gets to interact. Um, tell me too about this album. So what, what actually, when you drop an album, what is that? How does that work? So I, I for me, you know, I see here, you can buy outlaws and then you can play it streaming. You can download it. How, cause the record, the music industry has changed, right? Back when I was, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely changed. Then there was, you buy an A. So how does that, how does that economics work when you go to say, I want to drop an album? What, what do you actually do? So, so what people don't understand, I mean, you know, some people do understand, but, you know, labels and record labels, you know, it's a dying, it's a dying cause. Like it's a dying, dying thing. You know, back in the nineties and the early two thousands, I mean, there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, there was no, you know, TuneCore, which is my distribution company that I use. There was basically not, you know, these outlets that people can use to be independent. You, you couldn't do that. I mean, like if you wanted to make a million plus dollars as a rapper, I mean, no, nobody can do it independently in the, in the nineties. So, you know, you would have to really sign a record label. So, you know, I, I don't fault those people. They, they really had no choice, but, you know, fast forward to when SoundCloud came out, when Spotify came out, when TuneCore came out, when these, these distribution companies came out, I mean, you can do it, by yourself. That's what I did. I, I posted my first song in 2011 or 12 or whatever the time was on SoundCloud myself and people were streaming it. And then fast forward, I started uploading all my music to TuneCore, which is my, which is a distribution company that you just pay. Like I can upload an album, right? So every year annually, I pay $50 to renew that album and they distribute it uh, throughout all platforms. And then TuneCore pays me on a stream basis. And I do that independently. And you know what? I have a million plus fans, three million fans uh, all by myself. And I don't have to cut money with labels. Labels they labels are bloodsuckers. I mean, labels are, they want to take 82%, 75%, eight, like, and they leave you with 16%. And this is what they do. They'll be like, hey, look, you're a good rapper. I'll give you a million dollars. But you got to pay me back. And then after you pay me back, you get 17% of all streaming revenue and I get the rest. Wow. And then, you know, the kids jump on it. Oh, a million dollars. Oh, a million dollars. That's how they see it. But, you know, in reality, they're losing money and they're, they're gaining nothing. And the, and the label are really taking no risk because regardless of how long it takes, you're going to have to pay that million dollars off. If it takes your whole life, it'll be struggling your whole. It's like if you don't stream well and you flop, you're going to be spending your whole life trying to pay off that million dollars or whatever your deal is. Right. So it's better to do, in my opinion, do everything independently. You make you make more money. I, I own all my masters. I own all my songs. I own I own everything I've ever done. Very cool. It makes a lot of sense. What, uh, what about your team? Tell me a little bit about, you know, so if you don't have an age, I guess, well, it's different than a label, but you have an agent, a manager, like how, what goes into yeah. your, uh, your, your whole, uh, operation. So I'm completely independent and the, the people I do work with, which I think everyone needs is first of all, a manager. I have a manager because, you know, I can't deal with all this shit. Like I don't want to 
you know, but I, I can't deal with everything. I can't answer emails. Like I can't, uh, you know, have contracts written up and like, it's just, it's, right. it's, it's impossible. I mean, you reach a level where you need a manager. I mean, when I first started, I didn't need a manager cause I wasn't sought out like that. But you know, when you're sought out a couple hundred times a week, a thousand times a week by a thousand different people, I mean, how can I manage that? I need to focus on my music. So right. you get a manager, so you get a manager, get a lawyer, hundred percent. Everybody, you need to be buddy buddies, best friends with your lawyers. I love my lawyer to death. He's got me out of a couple of jams, you know? So that's very important. I have a business manager because, you know, money's, a lot of money's coming in, a lot of money's coming out. I cannot do that myself. I don't want to fuck up with the IRS. I want no beef with the IRS. I want to pay my taxes. I want to be legitimate. So that's three. And then number four, and the final thing is a booking agent. My booking agent is Kara Lewis group, Kara Lewis. She's amazing. She's, she's done Eminem. She's done, she's just done. I mean, the list is huge, but so she, so those are the four people. I think every independent artist needs and look the reason why that's still independent is because those four people can be fired by me you cannot fire your label you see the difference right when you sign that contract with your label you cannot fire your label i can fire my manager i can fire my lawyer i can fire my booking agent i can fire everybody my business managers and i can start start fresh luckily i don't have to do that because i love my team my team is amazing i love my manager i love my business managers um and I love everybody I work with, but that's the, that's the big difference between independent and, and not. I mean, you're, when you sign that label contract, you can't be like, Hey, look, I don't want to work with you anymore. They're going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Pay us our million dollars back and drop three albums. And then you're good. Cause that's what it says on the contract. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 you're locked in. What is the, um, what is, uh, for you the most fun part of doing, being a rapper songwriter? Do you love the concert, the tours? Do you love recording the music, the fans? What yeah. was the most exciting? By far, by far, like by far, I mean, it's, it's, it's like such a landslide. Like it's not even close. Like my favorite thing to do is shows. I mean, I absolutely adore doing shows. I know actually a lot of rappers are not even too fond of doing shows, but I, I just can't see it. I love it so much. I, there's no better feeling and no better. It's, it's so surreal to, to perform and have the whole entire crowd sing my lyrics. When I first started rapping, you know, people would show up but not really know my lyrics and you know they were fan they were just kind of new fans they didn't really they weren't really diehards yet and now fast forward i mean i can go do a show in any in any city on this planet i mean i'm talking about the whole entire planet i mean i've done shows in russia and germany and fucking blah 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 and to hear these people singing my lyrics back to me it it gives me chills still to this day and i haven't lost that and i'm so happy i haven't lost that love for it because you know i feel like when that love goes away i mean it's time to retire but I'm still obsessed with hearing them sing with me. Um, I think there's nothing better than that. You know, the money's great. I love money. I don't, I hate when rappers are like, it's not about the money, but it is about the money. I need, I like the money. I love to take care of my wife. I love to take care of my, my mother, my father. I love to take care of myself. I, I, I believe that is important too, but are you are you married now? Officially, are you? Mar- We're not officially married, but she's my fiance, so we haven't okay. put a, a date on it yet. Yeah. All right, well, congratulations. That's Thank exciting. You. I remember we we talked uh, in, in some detail about your relationship then, and that's yeah. Man, I'm really happy that you. Yeah, uh, you yeah, yeah. That. She was there since like before my first album, like which is great because you know as I became successful and more quote unquote famous, which I don't consider myself famous, but in my lane, I guess I am. But as I became more known it's hard to tell who really loves you and who really loves what you can do for them and loves your status. And it's very hard to, yeah, to, no. to, to, to know. Yeah. I, I completely know what you're saying. It makes a lot of yeah. sense. I did also want to touch you. Yeah. You're very, 
open. I, and I want to ask you before I go into this about because uh, your Twitter, your Instagram game. I love how you 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 delete. You basically post and then delete and keep it fresh. I've seen a few people do that. Give me the strategy on the, why you don't leave your posts up on that. What's yeah. So my strategy is, you know, for new for there's two reasons for for new fans who have never heard of me. Like maybe someone on your page has never seen me before. They'll click my page and only see two posts. And they'll see a million, two million, 1.2 million followers. And they'll be like, wow, this guy only posted twice and he has all this many followers. Like he must be really popular or he must be, you know, doing really well. Cause they don't know that I have a whole thing that I've deleted. Yeah. And another reason for my fans who do follow me, I just, I just honestly, like it's everyone. It's so funny. Cause I get this question so much and it's so funny. I love, I really love this question. Cause I, you know, really have like a different answer every time i mean like i wish i had like a real reason like a real like yeah. business reason but if i had i just it's fun like i like when fans are like what the hell man you had this post up i knew you were gonna delete it what the hell i screenshotted it i, I think it makes it interesting it makes it fun like if you yeah. really care if you really care that much then you can screenshot it and keep it for yourself my fans know that like if they want this photo they know this photo is going to be down in two hours you better screenshot it and keep it yeah. on your screen. That's i love it i think i think it's innovative i've only yeah. seen maybe a couple people that i that I've yeah seen. yeah it yeah. makes it more personal i've seen a couple rappers do it you know i've definitely um been inspired like i was really inspired by my friend xxxtentacion who's not here no longer today, but he was really doing that. And I was like, I thought that was really cool that he would just post, 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 delete. And, but he would always keep his stories. Like he would always make stories every day. So, so I really, I, I make stories every day so people can see what I'm doing and stuff. And also I feel like, so another reason why I do it is because like, let's say tomorrow I'm dropping an album. I will delete all my posts and then just post that so that people can't like go through my, page and like look at other stuff that means nothing like i'm really trying to promote this this music so it's like if you go on my page all those 1.2 million followers they can only connect with this album and this song there's nothing else for them to see right yeah and, I mean, it makes and it's a ton of sense i also want to say your instagram is very genuine very authentic with from my perspective i see you on tour and i'll see you say man you know tonight i didn't bring it or i didn't feel it tonight or i like sorry you know yeah. very authentic on your yeah your performance and your your emotion and what you're feeling yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about how what like what makes for you a successful show a good show or if you don't if you don't feel on your game completely yeah you wear that on your sleeve so it's very fan, it's very fan based, and it's very energy based, and it's very emotion based. Um, you know, if I do a show and I feel like the, the fans weren't giving me the energy that you know I felt was was needed to have a good show, or like the energy just wasn't there, you know, I really, you know, I take it on myself. I don't, I don't blame them. I never have. Um, I'm never like, oh, Detroit, you suck today. Like you didn't go hard. It was, I just put it on myself. I mean, you have to really control the crowd. I need to be the one orchestrating this crowd to, you know, go insane and go crazy. And um, so, yeah, sometimes I have bad shows uh, that I think are bad. And, you know, it's funny because no one else thinks they're bad. All my family, like that was the greatest show of my entire life. But, you know, my perspective is very, very different from their perspective. So lately I've been trying to understand that because, you know, I'm very, very hard on myself. I mean, like, you know, some people don't want to be in the mosh pit. Some people don't want to be jumping up and down. Some people just want to, some people don't even want to sing the lyrics. Some people want to sit back and, and drink a beer and listen to the songs and appreciate the music. And I have to understand that. But, um, you know, it's very important to me that I put on a great show because that's what keeps the fans going back. I mean, I've done so many sold out tours and that's because, you know, the fans will be like, Hey, I'm coming back again. Cause the last show I went to was insane. You put your whole heart out. I mean, yeah, I definitely put my heart out. I do 
yeah, I, and, I, and I enjoy it. But, you know, there's sometimes, you know, also right. there's sometimes I'm not feeling it. I'm very anxious, you know. But like, like you said, I, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't hide any emotions. And you know, I think that is definitely the reason why I have such a solid cult-like fan base because they're like, wow, this guy is successful. He's got money. He's got blah, blah, blah. He, he's got what everyone thinks is great. But he also is dealing with emotions and dealing with, you know, anxieties and issues. And, you know, everyday issues that the average person deals with. So they, sure. they resonate with me with that. I, I love that. I, I I don't know if you happened. Did you by any chance see the weight of gold yesterday? Did you did you catch this or know what this is? What the the Michael Phelps the narrated for the Olympians and the the mental health stuff? Did you see that? Oh no 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 no! But I know he's a big advocate for that for sure. Yeah. So so I I was curious because you know I watched this yesterday. It was really 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 powerful. So I lived with Mike for seven years and wow. until 2015, and I got to see firsthand. You know he. It's like you're saying, everyone, some of like, oh, you got money or you're successful or you're well-known. Yeah, exactly. It yes. doesn't mean like everything's picture perfect and there are things that go with it. And also the mental highs and lows, I would imagine with concerts and, yes. and albums, you know, you hit like this, you're number two on the music yeah. tour. And now it's like, well, what's you up with the next pressure. album? How is that? Is it, can I stay there? People want to bring you down. Exactly. I mean, exactly. and it's, I would imagine it's very similar. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely understand like, yeah, the way to gold. I mean, like, you know, once you reach that that peak, it's, you know, a lot of people reach their peak and when, when, when they can't get to that peak anymore, it, it's very, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I've had, I've, sh- I've shed tears about, man, I feel like I'm not a successful artist. I feel like I'm not going to make it anywhere. I mean, recently I, I think that way. And it's like, you know, sometimes, yeah, it really weighs on you. I mean, and, and a lot of people are hide their emotions, which is like, I, you know, I don't fault them. I mean, it's, it's very tough to open up and it's very it's it's difficult because you know people get shamed and people get called a pussy and a bitch and, and this and that and you know um it's it's tough on some people so some people keep it bottled up and they struggle and they struggle and they struggle and they don't get help and they don't talk to anybody so i when i started rapping and you know really finding my sound i i, I told myself you know what i'm laying everything on on the on the table i mean if I'm feeling depressed, I'm going to rap about it. If I'm feeling anxious, I'm going to rap about it. If I'm feeling happy, I'm going to rap about it. If I have my heart broken, I want to rap about it. I want to really, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I rap about the girls and the money and the cars. You know, sometimes I have fun with my, not all my songs are like emo depressed. Cause you know, I didn't want to be that guy either. I didn't want like, no. I didn't want to be the fucking, you know, super yeah. depressed emo guy, but yeah. you know, it's I really try to make music on how I feel and, and, it, and I and I get a lot of comments from people like, hey, your music really has helped me uh, with my life. I mean, that's that's so that's I mean, there's no better. There's no accolade better than that. So, sure. yeah, it definitely weighs on you, though. And, and give me give me some of the give me some of the tours or stops like so you've been all over the world. You've been to Brazil. You said you've been to Russia. Have you, have you been to Brazil? Have you done music? I haven't been to Brazil yet, but I've been in all basically all of Europe. Uh. I went to all of Australia. I went to New Zealand and I went to America, basically every, every major city in America. Uh, yeah, I was going to go to China, but then shit hit the fan. So I didn't go to China. Thank God. Uh, not yet. I, yeah. I definitely w- would love to go there soon. Well, you know, when this whole storm is gone, how, how does that work when you, when you're deciding on a tour and locations, do you say like, do you try to look at, is there a metric you look at or just like, do you literally say like, I want to go here and let's make that happen? Or how do you go before? Well, the booking agent uses, you know, analytics and, you know, and there's, there's, I mean, you can literally go, I can literally go on Spotify and it'll say, uh, 
in Dallas, Texas, this city streamed you the most, number three out of, you know, 150 countries, whatever. So, okay, well, let's obviously go to Dallas. Oh, well, in Germany, they streamed you a lot, too. Well, you know, in Hamburg, they streamed you a lot, too. And then in Moscow, they streamed you a lot. To, oh, in St. In St. Petersburg, though, they didn't stream you that much. So, okay, we're not going to book you there because it doesn't make sense financially. We're going to lose money if we do that. So they just see what cities, and it's usually major cities, like of every, I mean, like every major city of every, of every country, basically, you know. Like even in America, I mean, I don't go do a show in Rhode Island. It's the smallest fucking place in, on the, in the country. Like there's right. no doing a show with 50 people when, I'm, when I have a million dollar budget for tour. Like that's that's a... That's a loss. So they just see what makes sense. And luckily, thank God, I can basically tour in every single city in, in this country, at least. And then, you know, a lot of cities in Europe and a couple cities in Russia and a couple cities in Australia. And as I grow and as I get bigger, then maybe I can go do the low key cities in Japan and the low key cities in China and the super rare cities in in Greece and blah, blah, blah. So that's basically how it works. It's just all analytic based and numbers based. I mean, the numbers don't lie. I always yeah. say men lie. Women lie, God lies, but numbers don't. That's one of my favorite phrases. Numbers, numbers definitely, uh, definitely, they, they hold true. Uh, I, I, it'd be fun, man, to do a stop like you know, party poker in particular. They, they have yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stops. Like I would love to do a where you come play like a major tournament and then and then do a do a show. We can maybe try to work something. I would out. love that, man. I love poker. I love tournament poker. I love cash poker. I, I love being streamed. I've done live at the bike so many times. It's so yeah. fun. Tell me about that. What stakes was, was that? What's the biggest pot you've uh, you've played? Uh, so the biggest pot I ever won was fifty seven thousand dollar pot against Gall. Shout out to Gall. Um, so okay, so we'll, we'll talk about some poker now. So um, it was, and I was you know I was way in over my head. This was uh, a day before I was leaving to Europe for a, for like a forty five city tour. So I'm in live. I'm at live at the bike. I, I usually play like, you know, I'll play 510, I'll play 1025, I'll play, I usually play a game where I can buy in, you know, 2000 to $5,000 max, right? Because that's comfortable for me. Like, right. I don't like to buy in more than 5000 right. But I was like, you know what, I'm going on tour. So worst case scenario, I lose this money. So I, and, and I'm playing with this, the sickest guys ever. I mean, I'm playing, Garrett was supposed to be in that game. He wasn't, thank God. But it was art. It was art. You know, art. It was, um, Dan Zach, it was Gaul, it was, um, I think Gary was there, it was fucking, um, it was the sickest lineup, I mean, obviously people, I, I'm not oblivious, I'm very self-aware, like, people might be like, oh, this this guy, like, he's a fish, he thinks, like, he's better than me, well, I know I'm worse than you guys, like, I'm right. self-aware, I'm, I'm mature enough to be self-aware, so my mentality was, look, I'm going to bring $30,000. If I lose this $30,000, I'm going to go make $200,000 in Europe. Right. Fuck. I'm going to have fun. I'm you're, going to, you're not going, you're not, you're not betting roulette blackjack. Betting no, I, I knew my, I knew my, I knew my chances were so shot, but I wanted to be on the stream. I wanted to play big. I wanted to have a good time. So I bought in 15,000, my first buying lost it, bought in my second buy in 15,000, won a couple got up to like 24,000 or whatever 57 divided by two is. And yeah, yeah, something like that. Plus whatever was in the middle. And I played a really big hand. I mean, man, I can feel the sweat in my ass crack. Like I'm playing this huge hand with, with, with gall, the biggest hand I've ever played in my, in my career. I mean, this is a lot of money, like for me, I mean, for anybody, I mean, even for them, money. So I have, 
Ace Queen offsuit. Oh, it's my least favorite hand, man. So, all right, this. Yeah. Is- so, Ace Queen offsuit, and it comes around. I don't know what happened. Let's let's say I let's say I bet a thousand, whatever. Fold, fold, fold. One caller, Gaw calls. He calls. He calls. Let's say a thousand. It could have been more. It could have been less. I have no idea. Okay. But I remember the flop. So the flop comes five five Queen, and this, and I think it's two spades or something. So I bet like. Uh, twenty five hundred, let's say, and he raises like seventy eight hundred, and and then I re raise like fifteen thousand, basically, and then he puts me all in. And I mean, at that point, I'm committed. I, th- I actually thought for a little bit. I mean, I am fucking sweating. My heart is racing. Right. I'm thinking about everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about the hands I've seen. Gall. We we all know Gall is a sick sick monster. He's very great at poker, and he but he's super sick monster animal. And I ended up calling and. We run it once, which is what really made me scared. I'm like, oh my god! Is that your choice or his? That was uh, that was. I think it was his, and I didn't want to fight it. I'm like, how many times do you want to go? He's like, one is fine, and I'm like, okay. So I just was like, you know, out of respect for the game, and like I, I wanted the, you know to be respected on that table. So you know, okay, let's run it once. Whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see his. I didn't see his hand. So remember, there's two fives on the flop. Gall's a sick person. He could be in there with ace five of hearts, like for a thousand bucks. He's not folding when he has you know a hundred thousand dollars behind him. Right. And this was the day that he made that. I don't know if you remember, but he made that super super sick, insane call against Art for an eighty three thousand dollar pot with bottom pair or some sh- crazy. Art tried to like bluff, like. You know, I've seen a few. I've seen a few cra- Yeah, I've seen some special. Yeah, hands. yeah I mean, like so, you said, it's a massive pot. This is you're sweating. So, and yeah. you, end up, you end up. What did you did he have the flush draw or where did you? Hold so it? he never showed his hand. And and I mean, I respect the guy. He just okay, running once. You know. So in my head, I'm like, fuck. He has a five. I'm literally drawing dead. You know, I'm drawing to a queen. Uh, he has a spade. I gotta dodge a spade. I'm assuming he has a spade because like I don't think he's calling off with king queen, right? Right. Or or jacks like. Right. Or anything like that. I mean, he could add aces. He could like. I, I mean, I guess he, not really because he's not slow playing aces. But who knows? Right. But and so it comes brick, brick, no spade. Uh, and I win the pot. I mean, I show ace queen, and I, I, when I show ace queen, I'm like, he hasn't showed his hand yet. So I'm like staring him, like I'm fucking sweating. I'm like, dude, just show me your fucking cards. Like, just rip it off like a band aid. Like, if you got me, like, just please. Yeah, show no slow rolling, man. I'm not. So, yeah. No, he's a very respectful guy, and. Yeah. um and he, he says, nice hand. He folds the hand. I, I rake in a $57,000 pot, play a couple of hands, and then the game ends, and I leave, and I get a check from the bike for 57000 and it was it was great. I mean, I didn't make fifty seven. I was in for thirty, but, I mean, that yeah. was the greatest feeling ever that, you know, that I beat these the big dogs. I mean, I beat the, That's the a big nice guys. Flight. You slept a little nicer on your flight over to Europe. You were happy, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. it was 5100 200 I mean, the game was sick. I, I mean, I had the leap. I bought in fifteen k. Everyone's buying in 100000 Right. 50,000, 80,000. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm at the wrong game. But yeah, fuck, I'm here. I mean, I'm here. And that's I, you know, I didn't, yeah. Oh, that's that's you mixed it up. You mixed up in some high and stakes. We became friends after that. We became, we followed each other on Instagram and we're, we still talk and like, he's okay. such a respectful person. And, you know, that's what I love about poker. I mean, in what, in what world can you lose, you know, $50,000, $25,000 to somebody and you can become friends. Like it's, it's a great right. thing. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a, poker's an interesting, uh, there's a lot of, it's a lot of good positive things about poker. I, I, I do think it translates into real life and different things uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, what for you is more, what's more like, how would you equate that to music or performing live? Do you get, do you get, when you go out live, is it just like completely excitement or do you get nervous or a little anxious until you get, so, so before the show, I'm like, 
a nervous wreck. I usually have to use the bathroom. Like my, my, my bowel movements are horrible. I usually have to like release that anxiety. And like, <laughs> basically I take a shit before every fucking show. Like, cause I'm so fucking nervous. It's, it's hilarious. But it's like, when I get on stage, I feel fine. It like immediately when I jump on stage, everything goes away. I can breathe. I feel great. But you know, that's why what I actually do is like, if my set is at 9 PM, I try not to pull up to the venue until like, 858 like i don't want because the worst is like when i pull up to the venue like four hours before the set and i'm in the green room just like counting down the minutes like okay i okay okay i go on at this time like so what i do is like i hang out i go eat i hang out with the boys i hang out with the crew i hang out at the hotel i take a shower i do everything and i try to get like almost to the point where i'm late for my own show so that as soon as i get there i have no time to think and I have to jump right on stage. Like, okay, we're ready for you. Put my, my DJ's already there. He's on stage. He's ready for me. I jump, I grab the mic and I go, I really like doing that. But sometimes that, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't always work. Sometimes a lot of times, like, you know, I'll do a show. Like, let's say I do a show in, you know, San Antonio and I got to go to Dallas or Arizona or whatever. Like I'll do a show and the show will end at one in the morning and we have to go straight from the tour bus to the next city. Right. And so, sometimes when we get to that next city, we're like, we got to go straight to the, to the venue. Like sometimes we have no, sometimes I have no time to change my clothes. Like I'm still wearing the same boxers from last night or whatever. Like it's crazy shit that happens. Like the yeah. tour life is crazy. It's very, it's a very fast, fast, fast paced life. Um, how has COVID impacted that in terms of, is there any plans even, or is it right now? Everything's sort no of, plans. I mean, like n- just no touring. I mean, luckily I, I'm, I'm making money through other avenues and I'm okay, but you know, I miss tour. It's it's an easier way to make money. It's it's a it's an easy way to make a large sum of money if you do it correctly in a in a in a small amount of time. Right. Um. So you know, there's no tour. Of course, uh, they want to do tours again. The world basically wants to do tours again in 2021, but I don't see that happening. Really, I, I don't think tour is going to be a thing to at least 2022. Um, unfortunately, but oh, really, you think it could be that you think that it could be through all of 2021 potentially. I th- I think so. I believe so. I, I, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, maybe towards the end of 2021, we can hit the road, but you know, I might actually just wait till 2022. Cause you know, I want to do it right. I want to make my, make my projects and, uh, you know, the fans, the fans will wait, the fans will be there for me. And the, you know, the longer you wait, the better your tours are going to be because, you know, if I don't tour from, 2020 to 2022 i mean they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna drop that ball they're gonna seize that opportunity like shit i haven't seen them in two years i mean and and what give me give me yeah. a bit of a give me the i guess in some ways that not touring is not ideal but you're you're focused and you're there i mean i yeah you did you get more maybe done are you able to produce absolutely, and absolutely. And, and oh yeah i have enjoyed my uh, quarantine as best as I can. And, you know, I hate to say that because, you know, I know there's a lot of people suffering and people who are really taking losses. So, you know, I do feel for these people and, um, I've like, you know, donated money to COVID relief and I've, I've donated money to, you know, George Floyd and everybody. And because I do feel bad because, you know, I am not taking a loss at all. I mean, I'm in a, in a way, I feel like I'm taking a gain because I'm building more intellectual property. I'm making more music. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I feel bad, you know, the, the millions and millions and millions of people who lost their job. I didn't lose my job. I just lost my time to tour. But I'm making money through streaming. I'm making money through merchandise. I mean, I'm making I'm making money through different avenues. So so I've enjoyed myself. I, I've spent 
I've, I've never spent this long amount of time at home with my, my fiance and my dogs. And it's been beautiful. Uh, cause you know, I go on tour and I have to send my dogs off to, uh, to a, a trainer that takes care of them and help them. Um, not a trainer, but they take care. Well, they train too, but they, they basically, it's like a doggy hotel. And what that's kind of sad. what kind of dogs do you have? I have two big, huge, humongous pit bulls and I absolutely adore them. They're in my life. They are, those are my kids. Um, and I spend, I spend every day with every day I wake up, no matter what time I go to sleep. Like last night, I actually went to sleep at six 30 in the morning and I woke up at eight 30 in the morning. I feed my dogs and I take them outside. Then I go back to sleep, but they're on Today a day or the day before. Cause you, you woke you went to bed at six 30 to like, yeah, I took a two, I basically took a two hour nap, took my, fed my dogs, took them outside, then went back to sleep, woke up for this. Then after this, I'm going to take another nap. I I'm just, I just sleep in spurts sometimes. I mean, I just. I just get in where I fit in. It's it's very unhealthy. I don't recommend it to anybody. Everybody get your rest, get your proper eight, nine hours uh, uh, consecutively. But sometimes I, just, yeah, I mean, sometimes I have shit to do. And but um, when, you, I, when yeah. you record music or you do albums, how does that, do you usually just, do you go for like long periods of time in a row or you do like 30 minutes, take a break, or you like just lock, the, lock in and, and lock the doors and shut everything off? It depends. It depends. I mean, like, so for certain songs, like I have a song like called Superman is Dead, for example. Um, when I walked into the studio, my buddy Rocky was making the instrumental. He wasn't even done with the instrumental. And as he was making that instrumental, I was writing my verse. I was like, oh, shit. You know, it came to me. So that song took me maybe three hours to write, record and finish. Whereas some songs, I have a song called Void. I mean, this song took me three months to, to complete because I kept listening to the beat and I kept writing and deleting. I'm like, no, nah, this isn't it. Kept writing, writing, deleting, writing, deleting, writing, deleting. Three months, you know, after I'm like, okay, this, I finally got it. This is what I want to say. This is how I want to do it. So it just, it just depends. I mean, every, every song is different. That's why it's such a beautiful thing. Cause it's very similar to poker. Every session is different. You have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. You don't know how long you're going to be there. You don't know how much you're going to make. You don't know how much you're going to lose. Uh, same with music. I don't know how long it's going to take me to make a song. I don't know how 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 good it's going to stream uh, uh, compared to my other songs. I don't know if my fans are going to like it as much as my other songs. So you know, th- there's beauty in that. I, I I really enjoy that. But it's there's no like set there's no set studio session. You know, I can be there for 30 minutes and go home. Cause I'm just not feeling it. I can be there for 15 hours, just fucking starving away because I'm, I'm feeling it and I'm my juices are running and I'm just going with it. So it just, it just depends. And what do you do most of your, your stuff from home or at you are at a studio or a mixture? So I have two studios. I have my home studio, which I do a lot of my projects, my, my more recent projects here. Uh, and then I have a where, well, me and my buddy, Mike, my, well, my buddy, Mikey, he, my producer, he bought a warehouse, you know, in 2014 and we flipped it into a studio. We created a two story studio and I record a lot there, but, um, I more recently, I really enjoyed the, the homey vibes. I mean, I'm really made, I own this house and it feels good to be in the studio that I own and, and the vibes are good here. It's, you know, I got the good smelling spray and I spray around. It smells good. I got the plants, I got the art, you know got the sunlight and you're in your, uh, you're, in your you're in your comfort spot you feel yeah exactly 
Yeah, exactly. Well, so, like, like, like I said, I want to do a live version longer and, and in person down the road, maybe, you know, post COVID or, or in the thing. I know you're, not, you're feeling under the weather today. Do I want to keep it brief? But I do want to take a few questions because. Yeah, let's get the questions. I'm good. I'm good. Let's get these questions. amazing fans and we got a lot of. Uh, I'm ready for the questions. Drop in, in here. Have you ever taken part in a rap bot battle? Is that something you're interested in? Have you ever done that? Good question. I did a rap battle when I was first coming up. I was with my friend Nell, and uh, it was at a Miami club that doesn't exist anymore, and I can't remember the name. Uh, I think it's either Peach Fuzz or it was a venue in Miami that doesn't exist anymore. I cannot remember, but I remember these people were battling, and my my boy Nell, like he nudges me, like, "Come on, bro, let's do it." And I'm like, "Hell no, I can't rap battle." And I actually went on stage. I did a rap battle, and. The first guy I beat, and then the second guy, he absolutely slaughtered me. But I was actually genuinely freestyling off the top of my head. I did not come prepared. These guys, like, clearly were, were like, I mean, every you can tell when someone's doing some written shit and someone's doing some freestyle shit, like, actually off the dome. My first, my first battle, I was, like, off the dome, and I won that battle. And then the second guy, I was, I choked and like, I, I just couldn't do it. And yeah, I just didn't do well. The guy was like spitting some crazy shit. And um, yeah, and then I never did a rap battle ever again. And I'm definitely not interested in it. It's not my, it's not my forte. It's, it's not, it's not what I enjoy doing. Um, I, I've done it. You've done it and you, you they're, 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 I did it one, I did it one time. I mean, I've one time professionally, I did it. But I've right. done it several times. I mean, I probably did it last month with, with buddies of mine. Like we, yeah. We'll fuck around and, you know, rap at each other and, you know, make jokes and stuff. But, you know, I'm not going to like rap competition, rap battle competitions. It's like with yeah. written lyrics, like ready to go, like ready to fire off on people. Like it's just not fun for me. But I really respect and enjoy the craft. I, I've watched a couple of battle raps and um, I've, I mean, it's really hard. I can't do it. Like that's why I don't do it. I can't do it. Maybe if I can do it, I'd do it. But. Right. What, what about movies uh music industry like eight mile or uh some of the yeah. other uh any any movies that really like inspired you or or, or rap you see you mentioned bone thugs is there any other people kind of like paved the way or people that you really look up to in terms yeah. of films and things that have inspired you yeah i mean i mean shit i get inspired by everything i mean like i like I get inspired so much that definitely eight mile definitely inspired, inspired me. That's one of the greatest movies of all time. And like, it made you want to be a rapper and live that lifestyle. Cause it was, you know, so cool, you know, besides like, you know, all the trailer trash and getting shot and, st- and shit, but yeah. it was just cool. I mean, like watching that, that life and watching him like, you know, succeed as a rap rapper was, was really cool. And, you know, yeah, when it comes to artists, I mean, bone thugs and harmony was like the first people I really fell in love with when it comes to hip hop. I mean, I was absolutely in love with them. I, I was the biggest fan. I mean, I remember have you, you, them? Have you talked to them. Uh, I I never met them. I never met them. But um, yeah, I never met them. Never talked to them. Uh, but yeah, I just you know, I've just been a fan from afar. I was always always a big fan. I remember being a kid, like looking out my window sometimes, just fantasizing, like, oh man, how cool would it be if like I looked out the window and like bone thugs pulled up on me and just wanted to talk. Like I remember having these type of thoughts. And, like you know, I was always been I always been in, in love with rap. Like. I've always been in love with rap music as a listener, for sure. I never knew I was going to be a rapper, but I was always a big fan. And then I really fell in love with Outkast very early at, at around the same time. Um, but at the time, I was more I was more of a Bone Thugs fan, where Outkast kind of came secondary. And then as I got older and more mature, I, I really dug deep into Outkast music, and I and then I realized that those are 
I mean, that's the to me the greatest duo of the greatest rap duo of all time is Outkast. I am I am such a huge fan. I met Big Boy. I've talked to Big Boy. It was so great. I did a sh- I did a show where I performed right before him, and then he performed, and we chopped it up for a little bit, and he he followed me, and we talked for a little bit, and that was such a big moment in my career. So yeah, huge yeah, Outkast fan. Those are, those are yeah. legendary for sure. Yeah, and then Three Six Mafia. I'm a huge Three Six Mafia fan, and I did a song with Juicy J. Me and Juicy J are really tight. He's like a big uncle to me. He's so cool. He's he's such a a smart OG, like you know, original rapper. Like he's great. And um, yeah, I'm blessed to even have been in his presence and done a song with him and done a music video with him. And it's called Six Speed. If anybody wants to check it out, it's Puya featuring Juicy J. I mean, that was such a big. Uh, I mean, that was one of the biggest moments in my career. That's awesome. Is there still, is it still videos? Like, is that a big thing now? Or I do most songs or big oh, yeah. songs? Do you like, are you produce like a video? Cause I, oh, I yeah. Some, you got that, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's standard. Yeah. Like every, not every song that you pick like a couple of, no, not every song. I mean, it's very, it's very, it's very simple. It's very, it should be very simple. I mean, usually it's just, like I said, numbers based. I mean, if I drop a, you know, let's say a 15 song album and two of those songs are streaming better than the other 13 songs, then I'm going to do a music video for those two songs that are streaming very well. Because when you drop a music video, it helps. Like I had a song called Void. It reached about 10, 11 million streams with no music video. Then I released the music video. The music video got, you know, 7 million, 6 million streams on YouTube. But on Spotify, it blew up to 27 million streams. So the music video is not for the for necessarily for the music video to get streamed. It's for for people to watch the music video one time, learn about the song, then go to the streaming platforms, download the song or save it to their playlist and then listen to it because you're not going to watch a music video more than five times, right? Like, yeah. you know, you might have a music video you love, you, you'll, you'll watch it five five times, 10 times tops. I mean, after 10 times, it's like, come on, dude, you, you've watched this 10 times. But right. if you watch it once and you enjoy that song, you might go to Spotify and stream that song a thousand times a year. 50 times a day, you know, 400 times a month, who knows? Depends on the, on the, on the user. So that's basically what music videos are for. They're very, very important. They're very important. They help, they help you stream more. So music videos are extremely important. Um, I'm pretty lazy sometimes, so I got to get my ass up and do some more videos, but uh, definitely looking into doing some videos for sure. But yeah, they're very important. We got a, I got a question here from ghost M who's uh, actually my moderator on Twitch and the man he's uh, asking about the ideas come for like void and scrubs so different from most videos. So, so where's the inspiration yeah. for that work? So I try my best to be as abstract and different as possible without, without looking like I'm trying too hard. So there's a very like happy medium. Like you don't want to look like you're a try hard, like, okay, dude, you're trying to be so different and like, so like, abstract and like so left field that okay you look ridiculous so i I just try to be original i try to come up with some original ideas um scrubs actually is like one of my biggest videos and so the idea came very um spontaneously this is this is 2016 after my first album um i love how this came about so we're at the studio with me and shakewell who is the feature and we're at the studio we're just chilling my my uh, videographer at the time, Roberto Mario comes to the studio and we're sitting down. He has his camera and we're thinking of a concept. We weren't even necessarily going to shoot that day. We're thinking of a concept. Oh, what should we do? Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. We're throwing ideas back and forth. And I just go, yo, just press, let's turn on the camera, press play. Let's walk to the gas station, get some snacks. Don't stop recording. That's what we did. The, the video took us, it was one take, took us four minutes 
there was no edit. There was it was it was one take, one continuous shot, and literally we're walking to the gas station picking up snacks. He presses record. We wrap the song. My girlfriend is literally behind Roberto Mario, holding the fucking song through her phone that we can barely hear. We wrapped it. Took us four minutes. We uploaded it. No no color correcting, no no editing, no nothing. He just synced the music. Took us four minutes to make. And we released it, and now it's got 15, whatever, 15 million streams, whatever. And um, that's how that came about. It's, it's very, wow. like, and it's funny because that's one of my most streamed music video. And that music video cost me zero dollars. It cost me zero e- effort. It took me four minutes to make. Um, that's how that came about. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, Void was an expensive video, probably cost me, you know, $30,000. Took me three 12 hour days from like, you know, I was probably waking up at eight in the morning and not going home till, you know, midnight. I mean, for three days. And um, so that concept is to, is uh, if my fans haven't seen it, which most of them have, it's basically I'm like in my underwear. I got a sunburn. I have like some gloves on and I'm like with the, in the Everglades with the alligators and, um, yeah, and that that concept is basically the lo- like the lonely Floridian. Is this the, the no? If you go to YouTube, you can just put Puya Void, and you, you can see a little clip of that. And that idea, you know, well, uh, that idea, I have to give a lot of credit to uh, Julian Yuri. He really came up with this idea. He's like, "What if we, you know, we make you the lonely Floridian?" Yeah, the one at the top right there. Um, I would play it, but they're gonna then they they're gonna not let me. They'll take it down this podcast because yeah, oh yeah, no, we don't want that. No. I would hope we have permission from from uh, from you, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, definitely have permission from me. But you know how that shit goes. How it works. We'll check it out. You guys can check that out. So okay, yeah. so very that's cool. Like, yeah, those are those are some. That's uh, interesting. The one take is that's legendary. That is that's yeah. Cool. It was it was such a, a pivotal moment in my life, and it, and it just made me realize that people just really like good music. I mean, we didn't do any antics. We didn't have no girls twerking and no cars and no 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 nothing. It literally is a video of me and Shakewell going to the gas station by the studio getting snacks which is what we were going to do anyways so it was like i think people really felt comfortable with that music video because it was so just felt so uh organic and i mean there was nothing to it there was literally nothing to it no effort no nothing it was just nothing and people and at the end of the day the song was great we and that people liked it and i'm happy we did it that's awesome. What about uh, favorite favorite stop on tour? What's like a city that you just you just? Yeah, love? I get this question a lot, and it's so difficult to answer because I mean, I mean, I, I think it's impossible to answer because it's just I have so many great shows. But if I had to narrow it down, I really, really love Moscow. I really, really love going to Russia. It's such a surreal feeling to have people who barely speak English know all your lyrics, and it's so funny. Their accents are crazy, and it's like. They barely speak English, but when I'm rapping, they know all my songs. It's just, it's a pretty, pretty great feeling. So if I had to choose one, I'd, I think I'd choose Moscow. Yeah, that was, I went, I actually got, I went to Russia for the first time right before COVID, like basically when the world was uh, turning on its head, but I didn't get yeah. that. It was in um, Sochi. So I didn't get to see Moscow. I've heard it's amazing. Um, what about, have you been to Montreal? Love Canada. Love Canada. Canada's great. Canada's great. Oh, every time I do a show there, it's good. It's good to go to those countries because you're out of the country, but they speak English. So, so whereas like if I go, you know, I go do shows in Italy, but they don't really speak English. So the the language barrier is very is very strong in some cities. So they don't really know the lyrics. So they they, they won't really sing the lyrics as loud because 
um, they're either uncomfortable because they don't think they're pronunciating it. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, saying it correctly or they feel like they're not, you know, they don't know English. So it's cool to like leave the country and go to Canada and they sing just as loud as the Americans, if not louder, because they speak English. S- same as Australia. That's so it's so great to go across the whole fucking country and go to Australia and they sing the lyrics so loud just like the americans because they speak english and that's one of, that's another one of my favorite places to go i love australia i love uh, brisbane and melbourne and perth uh, I lo- and then i love auckland i love new zealand um new zealand dope too really if you yeah, got australia you might as well hit new zealand too because it's special yeah. and it's all the way it's far you're over there yeah, definitely one of my favorite shows in, in in auckland too that's awesome and uh someone's asking poker or rap and of course music's your 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 main thing let's just talk about hobbies what, what other things besides poker do you enjoy to do when you're not uh when you're not doing music? yeah so so i love rap of course i love poker i love basketball i have i built a basketball court i had a company come build a basketball court in my backyard and, and my friends come and we play basketball um my first love was skating that was my first hobby i used to skateboard i started skateboarding at 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, so those are things I really enjoy. And then, and then other than that, I mean, just regular stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't, it's easier. It's, it's, it's easier to say all the things I don't like, right. <laughs> but I, I'm not like really like an outgoing person. Like I don't go to the clubs. I don't go to parties. I don't go to, to, you know, I'm not really that outgoing of a person. I'd much rather, you know, hang out with my friends at the house and, you know, watch some TV or play some basketball in the backyard, you know, go swim in the pool, play with my dogs. Um, I have a lot of introverted hobbies as I like to call them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just enjoy whatever I enjoy at the time. And right. if I find another hobby next month, I'll, 26, I'll right? I'm 25. I'll be 26 in December. Yeah. Oh shit, man. You're young. I think, uh, man, I'm 33. I feel young with 25. Very, very young. It's all relative. Uh, let's take a couple more. I know you got to go. You're on the weather. I appreciate it. What did, what's the best advice you can give to new aspiring artists? If, uh, you could, what do you would have done differently in the past or or just kind of, I guess, what's, what's the best advice you can give for new aspiring artists? If you could, what would you have done differently in the past regard? Oh, I mean, you know, I've, I mean, dude, I've made so many mistakes. I've, 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 I've done bad feature deals and I've done, uh, I didn't sign a contract with some artists when I should have and this and that. And I mean, I just think those are stepping stones to become, to become the man you are, the woman you are, because, um, so I really don't have any regrets. You know, you know, I didn't, I'm a good person. I, I kept my morals intact. You know, that's most, that's first and foremost, but when it comes to the business side, yeah, of course I made some mistakes. Um, the the biggest mistake that I almost made is I almost signed a deal in 2012 because I was very broke. I had no money. I was sleeping on Fat Nick's couch and I had zero dollars and somebody offered me, let's say, $50,000. I mean, I almost jumped on it because, um, I mean, when you, have no, when you have nothing at all and you come from nothing and someone gives you this this, you know, offers you money, you almost want to take it. And I remember sitting in my Honda Civic crying on my way home, calling my dad, like, I'm about to make it. I'm about to make $50,000, which I thought was, you know, the, what I I thought was everything at the time. And something, something in my gut told me, don't sign this shitty, horrible, awful deal from this person that I'm not even going to say 
his name because you know it doesn't matter this was years ago but i didn't sign that so that was that was a mistake i almost made but you know other than that my best advice is just to just f- figure it out on your own and just figure you know do some research uh, look at look at the numbers it seems very complicated though because like you and this happens with sports as well they do these contracts and and, and football or soccer yeah what we call it. they get these kids they find these talents and they take a bit of a chance oh, they take advantage they take advantage of people taking advantage for sure um it, it seems very difficult though because a lot of at that age and, and when you're really young you don't have a lot of experience or, or able to make yeah exactly it's very yeah. difficult because it's a lot. Like you said, any one of us, any one of us, when you're 16, 17, 18, if you're not from a wealthy family or you're not, you know, whatever, if you get offered a big chunk of money, it may just seem like that's the exactly. Move. There's million, there's millions of kids that follow me that that are, you know, under the age of 18. And they would they would absolutely jump on any deal, which which I don't fault them because I almost did the same thing. But something just told me, let me wait it out and see where I can take this myself. Because I knew giving up this per- these percentages were in the long run was um, going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be better for me. And, you know, thank God uh, I didn't sign these deals. Um, but at the like, yeah, like you said, at the time, I mean, it's it's a ton of money and you have no money. I mean, no money, no money in a shit deal is better than nothing. So a lot of people think with that mentality and I, you know, I, I'm a victim of that as well. Right. Um, but I, I really, I really advise people to see how far you can get it by yourself. I mean, I was 16, I was 17, I was young. Like you, you, you're 17 years old. There's no reason for you to sign a deal. Wait till you're 24 and then, okay, figure some shit out. If you're 24, 25 and you feel like your career won't, won't skyrocket without a deal and you've been doing this for eight, nine years, then, okay, maybe go see if you can get a deal that works for you and, and works for your, for your life. In the chat, yeah. someone saying Scotty Pippen type yeah, deal. Yeah, don't get a Scotty Pippen type deal. Man, yeah. I still feel that, that whole thing's messed up, man. Like he does. Yeah, they, they, raw, raw yeah exactly. That's a, prime, that's a prime example of people getting it, taken advantage of it at, at the time. And he said exactly what I said in the interview. He says, look, at the time, I wanted to make sure my family was set and that I was set. So he jumped on and he didn't know if he was going to get injured or if he was still going to be good at basketball or if he was going to quit. So he was like, look, I jumped on the opportunity. And yeah, so he he didn't want to take the risk, but you know, like poker, like low risk, low reward. I mean, yeah. high risk, high reward. It's also this is something I've been. It's come up a lot recently, and we talk about in poker in particular. It's like it depends what age you are. When you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, it's okay to take a little more risk, shoot your bankroll a bit, experience because exactly. if you go broke, it's not the end of the world. If you're 35, 40, you know, whatever, yeah. family, you got you got a fiance, a wife, kids. It's, there's more pressure. There's more responsibility, and, and you sort of need to, you know, you can take less risk. Yeah, yeah exactly. Way to look and approach approach things. Give me an up and coming rapper musician right now. Anyone that's coming up right now that's young and just so talented that you. Yeah, do. yeah. My boy, my boy, Kill Switch. You can check him out on uh, on Spotify. Uh, it's K. I think that K X L L S X. Just, you can just put Kill Switch, but Kill Switch is really dope. And then my boy uh, Booby Ludavelli is super di- tight. Um, yeah, Booby Ludavelli and Kill Switch, those guys are great. I think they're, they're going right. to This guy, Rich, I don't know. No, you could put Booby Ludavelli. Booby? Yeah, Booby Ludavelli. He's dope. I don't know if I got the right yeah. one. Okay, so you met, you mentioned a couple. These guys, they're just they're just talented. They're coming up. They're they're just yeah. you know they're gonna they're gonna blow up. 
Yeah, no, they're definitely going to blow up for sure. I mean, and I'm going to make sure I help them doing that because these guys are talented and they deserve it. And then, is, that, is, that, is that exciting for you? Is that something you think down the line you might want to manage or help uh, do stuff? Because does it, does it give you enjoyment? Yeah, to I actually, I, I actually, um, I actually manage artists on the side uh, with my friend Mikey, but um, I just don't go public about saying who I manage and who I work with because, um, you know, I would, we just help them behind the scenes and yeah, it's definitely something I'm into and I'm going to keep continuing to do. I have a, I have a management company. I have a management LLC. Um, you know, I'm trying to build my assets and, you know, make sure I'm secured for life and help other people out as much as I can. So, you know, it's a win-win situation for everyone. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something I'm, I'm interested. I mean, I'm in a lot of, I'm interested in a lot of like entrepreneur entrepreneurship, stuff you know yeah, i see that like it's same in poker i feel like in music i would imagine it says that a lot of people maybe not so they just kind of do their thing and that's it but you you know i feel like you are you seem you have a lot of revenue streams you see very in tune to the industry and what's happening yeah and to have your you know I try. Up and, and i'm learning i'm learning as it goes i mean i'm learning i'm trying to learn i'm trying to learn real estate i'm trying to learn i'm just trying to learn everything anything i can you know knowledge is, is is power and knowledge is everything so i mean yeah you can't, you can't be successful without knowledge. About last last question here uh, for for me at least. What a, what you've mentioned stylistically some you know outcast bone dogs and harmony that these things that you looked up to. What about uh, business wise? Like you know like Steve Aoki for me who I know. You know oh yeah yeah yeah. Grinder. He's got like you know he's yeah. like Gary V of uh, music. He just got everything in his media's. Who else? Is there anyone that you look up to in particular that stands Absolutely, out? Absolutely, man. Like, uh, man, there's a ton of people. Definitely Steve Aoki. I mean, the, the, I, I know he's probably got so many deals and business deals that are just doing so good for him and yeah. people like that. I mean, um, man, tons of people, really. I, just like, you know, Jay-Z, you know, Kanye West, you know, even though he's going batshit crazy right now, but, you know, I wish him the best, but he's a great business. I mean, like, dude, like, I look up to a lot of these these people. I mean, mo- most of the rappers who are filthy, filthy, filthy rich. I'm not saying 10, 20, 30 million. I'm talking 700 million, 800 million, billions. You know, they're not rich off of rap music. They, right. they accumulate the rap revenue and they disperse it and grow their assets and do crazy fucking shit. Like, uh, you know, Dr. Dre is rich because of Beats by Dre. He's not rich off of his music. Right. I mean, he was rich. He was probably worth... 20 million dollars before he but now he's worth a billion dollars right you know jay-z is worth a billion dollars uh, uh, uh p diddy or diddy or whatever the fuck his name is now because he changes his name every day yeah. he's rich off of ciroc he's rich off of sean john Th- those are the type of people i look up to the people who make music and then they take that revenue and they figure out ways to uh to grow i mean post malone a, a good buddy of mine uh he's starting to do some champagne and i you know he's he's stepping into other other things he's doing movies he's doing this and that like right. yeah there's make, definitely make a lot music, of people make, moves. make make music make moves that's the that's the thing you're not you seem hungry man so listen i uh i definitely i definitely like i said i want to pick this back up we want i want to do it live i i appreciate the time man i know you are you said i hope you don't have anything serious you're feeling a lot of the weather so get 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 your rest you know get you get some naps and yeah i'll be okay i'm gonna take some rest quarantine for a little bit take my prescription pills some mad bills and drink some water and 
We'll be okay. I love it. Well, let me let me just we'll finish with this. So if you ask the question, you are eligible. We're going to give away a $109 ticket courtesy of uh, Party and uh, Party Poker. And Puya is going to tell me when. So you tell me when to do it. Someone's going to win a 109 ticket. Hopefully they get to spin it up. So you tell me when. Okay, great. I mean, we can do it whenever. When's the best time? Right now. You tell me. You just tell me when. I'm on your All count. Right. Okay, ready? Yep. All right, go. Boom. Someone's going to win it. Who is it, Puyo? It's 109. That's not nothing. I mean, you could really, oh, that's, you man, could really spin. 100 that's kind of money. can run. Look, it's taking a while, and we got this man or one right here. There he is. Vince Renzo is going to scoop it. We'll message him. I hey, shout out to him. Shout out to him. That's 109 coming in fresh. So thank you, man. Puya, you're a legend. I appreciate you. Thank you thank for your time. You. Feel better. We'll see you soon, and we'll, we'll definitely play some poker coming up. Appreciate you, man. I'll see you soon. When I feel better, we'll play some poker, man. Appreciate awesome. you guys. Thank right, you. Guys. That's Puya. Check out his new album, Outlaws. Follow him on the socials. Great guy and a lot of great content, and we'll see him soon. Thank you. Later, guys. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.